As I look back over my childhood and my adolescence, many of the problems and the difficulties that I faced can be traced back to one key mistake on my part that I didn't do as I was told. That I didn't obey the instructions or advice from my parents. That I, I didn't listen when they said, don't do that. Or when they said, please do this, son. And the problem that I had was a problem with obedience. And I can at times, uh, I can at times see this same trait um, in my own children. Even this morning, for example. And I'm beginning to, to understand the, the frustrations that, that my parents uh, must have had over me. And the truth is that obedience, as hard as it may be at times, obedience is what God demands of all of us. He calls us to a life of obedience. It's a few weeks now since we um, last were in the book of Acts. And if you cast your mind back, as I mentioned, you will remember that we, we looked at the episode which concerned Ananias and Sapphira and of how they, uh, they lied to the apostles and it, it resulted in their immediate deaths. Verse 11 ends with Luke telling us that, the, 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 the great, fear, um, great fear seized uh, the whole church and, and all who heard about these events. And it's no wonder that in verses 12 and 13 we, we read, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. And the reasons that, that, that people aren't uh, joining them is because they, and quite rightly so, they fear that they might end up like per Ananias and Sapphira. Or that they might have to face the same persecution that, 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 they have, that they have openly witnessed the apostles facing. However, these things don't stop more men and, and women and children placing their trust in Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Luke tells us how people, how they, they brought the, the sick in into the streets and they, they laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's, his, even his shadow might, might fall on them as, as, he, as he passed by. You see, they had witnessed the miraculous. They, or, or Peter, sorry, not Paul's shadow, Peter's shadow. They remember how Peter had, had the, the power to, to heal the, the crippled beggar. They remember um, his words spoken with, with boldness and power. They, they witnessed how Ananias and Sapphira's sin caused them to die instantly. You see, they know that God is real and that, that Christ is alive and that he can bring healing Yet many are still afraid. And the reason that there is this fear among the people is because they have directly witnessed something of the holiness of God. They've witnessed the holiness of God. Scripture tells us that, that God is a consuming fire. He is, he is holy and just and, and he will not stand in the presence of sin nor, nor will he tolerate the actions of the sinful nature without repercussions. And the main thread of teaching and, and application that, that runs throughout our text this morning and it, that shines out with, with glorious truth is obedience. Obedience to God, obedience to his word, obedience to him over and above all other authorities and powers and doctrines. And alongside this is displayed the overwhelming holiness of God. 
and how you and I are called to submit to that holiness. So firstly, to be a Christian, to be a Christian and to be obedient to God is to have a fear of the Lord's holiness. Great fear, great fear. Luke tells us, seized the whole church and, and all who heard about these events and no one else dare join the apostles and that their fear stemmed from what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. They sinned greatly and God struck them down. And today God is the same God. He is the same God of, of the early church. He has not changed. And if he so desires... And if our sins are great enough, he has every right to strike us down. But we don't believe this. Sure we don't. We don't believe this. We have lost a clear understanding of of God's holiness in our sin. You see, to preach about the the wrath of God and and the judgment of God is deemed by some to be fundamentalist, old-fashioned, all hell and fire and, and brimstone and God has not changed. So why should we change the message to suit ourselves? I was speaking to a colleague who had recently been serving as an assistant minister in a congregation. And he told me how he was was brought before the, the elders of the church. Brought before the elders of the church who attempted to discipline him because he was preaching about sin. If anything, that's, that's the one thing we should be preaching about. I see some of you shaking your head. It's, that's the one thing we should be preaching about because that's the, the one thing that separates us from God. We can't know God while we are still in our sins. We have, we have downgraded sin because we have upgraded the love of God. As Stephen Lawson comments, We've so elevated the love of God over the wrath of God that we've air-conditioned hell. We've made hell seem like a, a nice place to be. Now, yes, God is love, but he hates sin. He hates it so much that he sent his son to die because of it. That demonstrates his love for us, but it also shows the extent that, that he had to go to deal with sin. And if it is so important to God, if it is so important to him, how much more important should it be to us? It reminds me a bit of when, when George or Flo are, are singing a song. And we've all done this, I'm sure. There's a, a new song comes out. Uh, we listen to it on the radio and we, we sing along. But there might be words or parts of the song that we can't quite figure out. We can't quite figure out the lyrics too. So instead we make up our own words. And usually the words, that the, the words that the kids make up are actually quite funny. In essence though we've done the same thing with God and his word. I'm convinced that many people listen to God and they, they read his word that way. As long as they like certain parts and it makes them feel good. They feel they, they don't have to worry about those other parts that make them feel uncomfortable. God is love. Yes. God forgives. Yes. Do not judge. Yes. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. What? For the time is coming. 
We read in scripture, when people will not endure sound teaching, but will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Paul writing to Timothy. And if we are going to listen, if you and I are going to listen to God, we must listen to all he has to say, particularly concerning sin. Particularly concerning sin. None of us, none of us deserve to live. We all deserve death. Many of us are good, law-abiding citizens. We love our families and we, we strive to live good lives. But all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts, we read in Isaiah, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up, shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our, our sins sweep us away. And the message is, don't mess around with sin. Don't believe the lie that it doesn't really matter. If only, if only those who have gone to a lost eternity could visit those of us who are still in our sins today, the cry to repent would be unbearable. To be a Christian is to be obedient to God and to have a fear of the Lord's holiness. The second thing we see, the second thing is that obedient Christians experience the Lord's power through the Holy Spirit. We experience the Lord's power through the Holy Spirit. We should never limit God's power by our unbelief or by our rational thinking. We should always pray in faith, knowing that nothing, nothing is impossible for God and that all things are possible. Yet on the other hand, we should submit to the fact that it is not always his will to deliver us from, from illness, nor from persecution, nor ultimately from death. Above all, we should be people who are being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. And we see this happening in our text this morning. We see on one hand the, the miracles performed by God through the apostles, yet we also see suffering and through suffering the disciples rejoicing at being shamed for the name of Jesus. You see rejoicing and suffering work together. And whenever we submit to this, whenever we acknowledge that, that this is what life is going to be and this is what life is, when we submit to that and acknowledge it, we experience the Lord's power through the Holy Spirit. Paul, writing to the church in, in Ephesus, says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sing and make music in your heart. American pastor and author James H. Brooks told of, of visiting a friend's house and, and hearing the music of a bird singing. And it wasn't just your typical cheap, cheap um, kind of bird. Uh, but Brooks described it as a, as a beautiful melody, like something he had never heard before. And at first he didn't know where the singing was coming from. But whenever he glanced around the room, he saw a beautiful bullfinch 
um, in a, in a birdcage. And the lady of the house explained that it had been taught to sing that way at night, this beautiful melody, taught to sing that way at night. During the darkness of the night, the teacher would repeat the notes time and time again until the bird was able to mimic them. But this was possible only because it was dark and the bird's attention would not have been diverted. And folks, how often we learn our sweetest songs when the blackness of trials close in around us. This was David's experience. Cast, uh, cast down and, and, and almost despairing of life, he said, in the night his song shall be with me. David referring to God. Elihu, one of, one of Job's counselors, remember Job and the counselors came to him. Elihu, one of Job's counselors, spoke of God giving songs in the night. And David in writing the 23rd Psalm, gives us this wonderful picture of how God leads us into suffering. And just as David, when we find ourselves in the, the, the desert places of life, the greatest gift we have is God's presence. And notice when you read Psalm 23, it begins with God, our shepherd, in front of us. He leads me beside still waters. So he's in front of you at the beginning. By the end of the psalm, the shepherd is behind us. Surely goodness and love, referring to the shepherd, will follow me. But what we see in the middle, as you and I go through the valley of the shadow of death, is that the shepherd is next to us. He is beside us. As Paul Miller in his book, A Praying Life, says, the protective love of the shepherd gives me the courage to face the interior journey. Friends, let's not despair when the, the darkness of troubles descend upon us because God is with us. God will help us and God will give us a song to sing. God did it for the church in Acts. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing, singing, praising because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. You see, obedient Christians experience the Lord's power through the Holy Spirit. And we experience it most profoundly as we journey through suffering. The third and final the thing is that obedient Christians experience the will of God in their lives. And we see this through the wisdom of Gamaliel. A Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while, and then he addressed them. And in his addressing, them. He reminded them and, uh, of, of um, other individuals who, who rose to prominence, claiming that they were either the Messiah or, or a great prophet or something like that, but, but all those attempts failed. And he, Gamaliel, believes that, that this will be the case. It'll be the same thing with the apostles of Jesus. So he says, therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. And what history has proven is that it was of God. 
And it, it is still of God. Nothing can stop the church. Nothing can stop the gospel. Nothing, nothing can stop the risen Christ reigning as king over all. Not even a beating which would bring the apostles close to death. Luke tells us that they were, they were brought back into the temple and they were flogged. And the flogging would have been on the back and on, and on the chest with a three-stranded strap made of leather hide. And this would have left them close to death. There would have been 40 flogs minus one. It would have left them close to death. In fact, there, there are accounts of, of such a, a beating uh, which led to the, the loss of so much blood that people did die. After the flogging, they were ordered not to speak in the name of Jesus. But what did they do? The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Isn't that incredible? They obeyed God. They suffered greatly for it, but they experienced his will in their lives. And folks, there's nothing better than knowing the will of God in your life. And sometimes, sometimes God will take us on a journey that causes us to choose whether or not to obey him and obey his word. Is there some area of your life this morning that you are disobeying God in? Is there some area of sin? Some area of rebellion towards him? You have a cynical heart. Something that you're doing or, or are about to do that you know displeases God. Well then simply stop. And simply trust and obey. In the Arabian desert, Arabian horses are trained rigorously in the Middle East. And the horses, as they're trained, must learn to fully obey their master. And this obedience is tested by depriving the horses of water for many days and then turning them loose near water. As the horses get to the edge of the water, and just before they drink of the much-needed water, the trainer blows his whistle. If the horses have learned to obey, they turn around and come back to the trainer who then gives them as much water as they need. The trainer knows what his horses need and will not allow them to die of thirst, but they must trust him. And likewise, God knows what his children need and wants to supply it, but we must trust and obey him. And just as a child who neither trusts nor obeys their parents, there will be issues. There's no doubt about that. How many times as a parent have you thought, if only they had listened, or if only he or she had listened and, 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 and had done as they were told, then, then this wouldn't have happened. But even as parents, we are, we are flawed in our thinking. And as parents, we must allow our children to make mistakes and to, to learn along the way. And wherever you are today, whatever situation you find yourself in, allow God's word, allow the truth of God's word to speak to your heart. And allow yourself to leave here this morning with the words of God ringing in your ears.
And God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Let us pray. God, we just thank you for the, the wonderful example of the apostles, of how nothing, absolutely nothing, prevented them from, from preaching your word, from, de from declaring your praises, for rejoicing and for telling other people about Jesus, even when it meant that they would suffer and be flogged almost to the point of death. Such was their faith, Lord, because it was real. They witnessed you in your resurrected body. They witnessed the miraculous through, through Peter and the apostles and, and, and hundreds coming to be healed. They could do so because they were fully confident and filled with the assurance that you are alive and that you reign and that living for you is the only thing that truly matters. And you have not changed. You're still the same God today. And you're still the same God who punishes sin. Oh Lord, help us today. Lord, if we are still in our sins, and even Lord, if we, if we aren't sure, to make sure that we are no longer in our sins and that we have been forgiven and we have turned to trust in you for salvation. But Lord, fill our hearts with the knowledge that we can trust you, that you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing in all circumstances because in our finite minds, we see things and experience things and, and Lord, we, we, we feel that, that we cannot trust you and that you do not know what you're doing. But Lord, you know infinitely what you're doing. And you know even in the greatest of suffering and trials and even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what you are doing. Lord, help us to trust in that reality today that our faith will be firmly in you and nothing will be able to shake it. Nothing. And in those times of, of, of grief and sorrow and confusion and pain and disappointment that we would cry out to you, that we would lament to you, Lord, and you would hear our cries and you would answer our prayers, that we would not withhold from you but approach your throne boldly and with confidence. Oh Lord, shepherd us, we pray. And wherever we each find ourselves this day, that we would know the, 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 the nearness of the good shepherd, that we can trust in you through all things. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand to sing in closing um, those words that we uh, looked at earlier on to uh, a more modern um, uh, composition, the 23rd Psalm, The Lord's my shepherd. I'll not want. I will trust in you alone.